Come on, help me, Sherry. You sing this song. You don't know? Anyway. Good morning to you all. We bless you. It's a good day. Very excited. You guys should check out the changes. I don't know if you noticed, but there was like a major, the, the church work days. So if you've seen any changes, ladies, you got a full length mirror in the bathroom. I'm like, what in the world? I just have to hug. I, um, just I have for no one time. minute, I have to say these names. Oh, you okay? have to, oh, we're right. going to thank people? Yes, I have. Just stand okay. right here and I'm going to say in your names, in, in, in your thing here. So Elias Balnocedo, thank you so much. And his two kids, three kids, Damian, Leah, and Brianna, Roscoe Ferguson, Joss and Ricky Renya, the Whites, Mary, Naomi, Kathy, and Miriam, fabulous work. Uh, I have um, Anna and Jody Cox, Raul um, Orozco, Diana Izaguri, Danielle, our awesome children's ministry, Shelly and Chella McKnight, Liliana Barrera, Alex Hunko, Jody Dahl, Raul Aguilar, Marty Gross, Rudy Vega, Ruthaline uh, Riggins. And I, I want to just say that we worked 24 hours with um, more than 20-something people over three days to get that done. So we just wanted to say thank you because it was a good work. So go check out the children's rooms and the bathrooms. But we're not done in the main. We didn't even get to it because we had so much in the others. But take a look. All those people served really hard and got lots of paint and sweat and dirty and cleaned. It was awesome. Awesome. It was an ambitious quest. So we're doing a series on faith, and we're talking about a guy that I think all of us can identify with this dude. His name's Jacob. I'm going to try to give you a little bit of a different angle on Jacob's life this morning. He's a guy in the Bible. Um, you say, well, who is this dude, Jacob? Well, you're familiar with Abraham. Abraham had a son named Isaac, and Isaac had a son named Jacob. And Jacob ended up having 12 sons, actually technically, which I'm not going to get into that because that's going to take me too long to explain. He technically had 13 sons, but he ended up with 12. Anyway, nonetheless, he had 12 sons, right? Joseph, whatever. I'm not going to explain it. Rain it in, Kevin. I'm not going to explain it. I'll spend 10 minutes explaining that. Let's just say for sake of argument, Jacob had 12 sons, and those became the 12 tribes of Israel. J Jacob grew up in a household of faith. So he grew up in a Christian home, but he didn't fully buy into the program. Mm-hmm. We don't get an understanding that Jacob fully bought into faith until much later in his life. He had a couple encounters with God, but his perspective of faith and perspective of the Lord was really wrong, was really off. Jacob was born a twin. He had a brother named Esau. Anybody ever heard of Esau? Okay, so Jacob and Esau, they were born twins. His brother, uh, when he was, Jacob was born, he came out of the womb. His brother Esau was born first, and Jacob was born holding on to his brother's heel. And so his name was called Jacob, which means heel catcher <laughs> or supplanter, one who lays hold of another. So Jacob's brother Esau was like the brawny man, okay? You ever see brawny? The brawny paper towels, that man brawny that's down there. Jacob was, or Esau was kind of like that. He was a hunter. He was burly. He was an outdoorsman. And Esau was favored by his father. So Isaac favored Esau. Not always, not a good thing. We need to value our kids for who and what they are and try not to favor them. We like certain personalities and different kids, but we need to try to love them equally because what it ends up creating is jealousy and contention. Particularly, 
Yes, thank you. Someone who wasn't favored. Yes, that's right. I wasn't favored. No, no, I know, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I grew up in a house where my, my brother looked like my grandfather, looked like my dad and was named after my grandfather. So what, what do you think I got? And then I was born a week after Christmas, so birthdays were, all, were not really a big thing with me. Oh, it's all right, it's all right. My brother's born in August, and it was a celebratory fest. I was born a week after Christmas, and I got an extra gift here. This is for your birth. This is for Christmas and your birthday, too. We just want to let you know that. <laughs> this is a funny story. So I told my mom about this when we got older after we were married. My mom was around. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, my mother starts buying me all these elaborate Christmas gifts. Because I tell her, I'm like, yeah, you know, I just always got the short end of the stick. And then I was describing, I said, remember Neil's birthday parties? Remember those parties? It was like off the chart. I said, do you ever remember throwing a birthday party like that for me? My mom's like looking at me, you know. And I would tell her all this stuff. Then all of a sudden, it'd be Christmas time, you know, and it was the normal Christmas. I'd walk in, and there'd be a recliner. And I'd be like, what's this? She's like, oh, this is your Christmas present. I'm like, what? And it was so like for like four years in a row, my mom was like trying to outdo herself to give me these elaborate Christmas presents because I, you know, anyway, I just told her. So Esau's, Esau's an outdoorsman. Jacob, if you want to know who Jacob was, I want you to think like kind of top chef guy. So Emerald, kind of Guy Fieri, you know, Gordon Ramsay, if you're kind of like that. So Jacob liked to cook. He was always home. He spent kind of most of his time around the house, and he cooked. Jake, uh, Esau was more like a man's man kind of guy. He was outdoorsy. His mother, when she was pregnant with Jacob, was given a prophetic word. Okay? So we think that we, we have these concepts about God and how God is like kind of absent from the whole scene. She, Rebecca was pregnant, and she felt that there was something wrong with her pregnancy, and the Bible says that she inquired of the Lord. She said, if all is well with me, then why is this happening to me? Why do I feel what I feel inside of me? So she goes to the Lord. Ladies, always a good thing. Go to the Lord. Go to Jesus. He speaks. Okay? He's not silent. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two, two, two peoples shall be separated from your body. One will be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And so what's happening is the Lord tells her, hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with you. You're having twins. And the younger one is going to be greater than the older one. Here's the problem. Rebecca got that word, but she didn't ask for anything else beyond that. She didn't say, how's that going to happen? Mary got a word too, didn't she? Remember Mary? Angel of the Lord appears to her. She not only had a word, she got an encounter. Right? So she got an angelic encounter with a word. And so the Lord tells her, you're going to give birth. You're going to, and she asked the angel, how's this going to be? And he answered her. Right? What you need to know about the Lord is God stops speaking when you stop asking questions. When you do not ask questions, he does not answer. So God gives her a word. She asks, what's wrong with me? He says, you have twins. And he speaks life over the, over the twins. This is what's going to happen. What she should have done, is she should, because this becomes her failure. You're going to see Rebecca had a flaw. She started to work out the plan of God in her own strength. She said, oh, the Lord said this, so that means I have to help this situation. Well, not necessarily. What she should have done is she said, okay, Lord, if the younger is going to be greater than the older, how's that going to happen? And he would have probably told her, I'm going to take care of it. I'll make sure it happens. Don't worry. He would have, he would have given her something on top of that. Rest assured he would have. Never be satisfied with one word. Never be satisfied. God gives you an answer. Is everything going to be well? And he's going to say, yes, it's going to be well. 
And he's gonna, and you ask the next question, is there anything I need to do in this position? Is there anything that needs to happen? Is there anything that needs to change? What, you, know, you, you ask questions on top of the questions. People go, God's not answering me. I go, you're asking the wrong questions. I'm gonna tell you that right now. God speaks. If you don't believe God speaks, come to Firestarters. You're gonna hear that God speaks. And you're gonna to learn to hear him and you're gonna to learn to know, understand him and know that he speaks. He hasn't lost his voice. 70% of the American church doesn't believe God speaks. 70% don't believe. Seven out of 10 Christians. I just had a guy who went to a Bible study and he told them, he said, the Lord spoke to me. And they're like, well, we don't believe in that. And uh, God speaks through his word. And uh, there's no other way that God is speaking now. He's speaking only through his word. And my answer to that is, who told you that? <laughs> who told you that? Nobody told you that. God never told you he didn't speak. He said, my sheep hear my voice. Revelation says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Not what he said, what he is saying. That verse is written in active tense. It, means it, it also means it's an ongoing tense. The Spirit of God is speaking continually. He has not stopped speaking. Yes. I was telling him he didn't write a book and lose his voice. He didn't write a book and then toss it at us and go, okay, peace out. I'm out of here. You know, I, I've said everything I need to say. Drop the microphone. God is active and living and participatory in the now. And he has a word in the now. His word is now. It's the way it is. Say, so I'm not too sure about that. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yes. <laughs> Who told you he's not speaking, Christian? Who told you that? Did your father tell you that? No, pastor so-and-so. Pastor so-and-so is wrong. But he's got a PhD. I don't care if he's got a PhD in NBC and in ABA. I don't care whatever he's got. He's got to know how many alphabets he's got behind his name. If he told you something that's not truth of the script, it's not truth of God's heart or truth of the scripture, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what his credentials are. Jesus, Jesus is speaking. He's alive and well. And he has a word for today. And the same guy that was telling me, he told the people, and he's the same guy that said to me, the Lord has spoken to me 16 times in my life, and I've written them all down. I'm like, only 16? I'm like, I talk to him every day. I talk to him every week. I hear his voice all the time. He tells me stuff all the time. All the time. It's God, God's, shouldn't, you shouldn't like monuments. He's spoken to me 16 times. Okay, that's great. But we, is that really all you're expecting him to speak to you? Is that these monumental epic encounters? God is a relational God, and he wants to participate in your life all the time. Yes. All the time. Every minute of every hour of every day. Bible tells us in the book of uh, Proverbs, wisdom's being poured out into the concourses of the street, calling aloud. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? How long will you not heed what I'm saying, what I'm calling forth? It's not an issue of God not speaking. It's an issue of you don't know how to hear. Yes. You don't know how to tune the frequency. Right? Justin Bieber's in the room right now. Someone's like, where? Where is he? <laughs> I don't know who your favorite artist is. Who's, who's the hot one? I don't even know. I can get my son here to get me up to date. Whoever, whoever the new radio pop artist or whatever, they're in the room right now. You just have to have the right radio, the right frequency. Dial it up. We can go on YouTube right now and dial up whoever you want in the room right now, speaking to you right now. You just have to have the right tuning and you have to have the right ability to get into that frequency. Amen. Holy Spirit's in the room. We have, no, we have no problems understanding how we can go on YouTube and find any, any artist or go on Spotify and find any artist right now connected to nothing, wirelessly interfacing with the nothing, with the air. That, that's not questioned at all. Nobody, have you ever questioned that? 
You ever realize you're driving down a car one day and you got your car, you got your cell phone synced to the Bluetooth in your car and you're listening to whatever you want to listen to? And I'm looking at this thing going, how is this even possible? How is this possible that we can list this, this phone can pick up a frequency and send it to the radio that sends it through the speakers and I'm hearing it? You ever wonder about that? We don't even question it. We take it for granted. But if the Lord wants to speak, oh, well, well, now, pastor, no, 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 no. And then the church is worse, man. We act like it's Freaky Friday. We don't want to hear voices. We don't want to teach the people to hear voices, Pastor Kevin. I've had my friends and pastors telling me that. Don't teach the people to hear voices. I go, I'm not teaching them to hear voices. I'm teaching them to hear one voice. I'm church teaching them to hear the discern the voice of their father. The voice who loves them on, his, on their worst day. The, vo the voice that's for them even when they're against themselves. The voice of wisdom that cuts through all of the noise and all of the nonsense. That's what I'm teaching them to hear. I don't know what you're teaching them to hear, but that's what I'm going for. So here you see the Lord talking to Rebecca. Rebecca didn't use this as an afterthought. She didn't go to the God of the unknown. God was known and has been known. And he speaks to her and tells her what's going on. She should have asked more questions. She didn't. That's okay. She still got a word. God put a word over her. That's probably why she favored Jacob was because God put a word over her and said the younger. So she probably put all her time and energy into Jacob. So when her days were fulfilled to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. The first one came out and he was red. He, had, he was hairy. Hairy, dude. And he had red hair. That was, he was ruddy. And they called him Esau, which actually means red. They called his name Esau. And afterwards, his brother came out with his hand on his brother's heel. And so his name was called Jacob. Interesting, huh? Next slide. So Jacob was known as a heel, as a heel catcher. He liked to catch, Esau would get wild game and Jacob would cook it up. And now Jacob cooked a stew. So one day, so Jacob was basically, you know, he's like, you know, emerald in the kitchen there. So they'd bring him all the, all the special ingredients and he'd make it all and put it all together and cook it. And Jacob was making a stew and Esau was coming in from the field and he was hungry and he was famished. He's like, hey, I'm hungry. And he was weary. And Esau, anybody ever do that? Give me that. No, what are you going to give me? No, you give me, you know, with your siblings. I don't know if you ever play that game. You know, what am I, let me wear that shirt. Now, what are you going to give me? You know, kind of stuff like that. And Esau says to Jacob, please feed me the stew that you've made, for I'm weary. And Jacob said to him, sell me your birthright this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die, which is completely not true. So whatever this birthright is to me, what is it? It means nothing to me. And so Jacob said, swear to me. And so he swore and he sold Jacob his birthright. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and lentils. And he ate and he drank and he woes. This way Esau despised his birthright. This is a problem, okay? What is a birthright? Well, in the Old Testament, a birthright meant, it meant a lot of things. But one of the things it meant is you got a double portion. You're the firstborn. You got twice as much as all your other brothers and sisters. You say that's not fair because you, if you were given that birthright, you were expected to take care of your mother when your father died. That's why you got more. You didn't get more just because you were so special. You got more, and you were not only were you given that uh, you were given the extra inheritance, you were given the extra responsibility. So if you had brothers and sisters that were young and of, of early age, you were expected to care for them. If, you, if, you, if your father died and there was no means to care for the mother, you were expected to care for your mother. That was the right of the firstborn. It wasn't just an endowment because you're so special, you get twice as much. You were given double portions so that you could care for the lesser people in your family. And Jacob, and it was actually, it was considered an honor 
You had access to things that the others didn't, and you were supposed to carry forth the fatherly line. You're supposed to help your dad's lineage endure or to bring forth your father's thing. And it says this in Romans. It says, the older shall serve the longer. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau despised his birthright. Therefore, God despised Jacob. God despised Esau. People go, why did God despise Esau? Because Esau sold his birthright for a pot of stew. He had no discernment over what was given to him, and he traded it for earthly things. The Christian is given a birthright and an inheritance. You are given a birthright. Everything that we talk about here in this church, healing is a birthright. Yes. I'm sorry it is. Blessing is a birthright bought with the blood of Jesus. Access and communion into the spirit is paid for you with the blood of Jesus. It's yours by right of inheritance. I have people I'll talk about, go back to the prophetic. I have a guy here who's been in this church for a long time. He's like, you're telling me I can hear the voice of God. I said, you're going to come to Firestarters. You're going to hear him first day. I said, it cannot be denied to you because it was bought with blood. It's your birthright. I'm serious. This is paid for for you. You can't be withheld. It cannot be withheld. And so a lot of times Christians don't, they don't, they have no discernment of their identity. They have no discernment of their inheritance. And we sell it for fleshly and worldly things. It's a spirit of Esau in the church. We, we operate with the mindset of the culture. We have, an, we have a birthright that gives us the mind of Christ. We have access into the wisdom of the eternal. You can get into the spirit and you can see in realms and dimensions. You can see things about business that nobody else sees. You can see wisdom of movement that nobody else can see. I have creative people. My son wants to be creative. He's doing all these different things. And I tell him, I said, your right of inheritance, Elias, is your birthright. My son's name's Elias, too, so anyway, in case you know. <laughs> so I have affinity for Elias and little Elias in there, because my son's name is an Elias connection here. And I tell him, I said, your, your, your inheritance is in the spirit. What distinguishes you from everybody else, all things being equal, the Christian wins, because we have the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter where you are. If it's in any kind of creative environment, development of an environment, wherever it is, if you will access what's yours by inheritance and you will operate in the mind of Christ, you will see and know and understand things that no one else does. It's yours. It's not taken from you. You say, I'm not living right. It doesn't matter. This is what blows Christians away. Well, it's only mine if I live holy. I tell people all the time, there's no holiness. With, there's not holiness without the Holy Spirit. So good luck. Good luck. If you think you can be holy without the Holy Spirit, you are woefully mistaken. Your holiness is in the Spirit. Everything that God has done for you, including your holiness, is in the Spirit. Get in the Spirit and you feel holy, don't you? Yes. Come on. You worship and you're like, I feel pure. I feel clean. I feel wise. I feel smart. I feel like a genius. I feel like I'd run through that wall. That's how you feel when you're in the Spirit. Because everything's been given to you in the Spirit. It's in the Spirit and it belongs to you. It's yours by an inheritance. You didn't earn it. You didn't send in a request. He gives it to you. He gives it to you just because he wants to. That's it. And we sell this stuff out all the time because we're not discerning of who we are. We treat ourselves like we're the culture. We think like the culture. We act like the culture. We, we do everything like the culture. We don't understand who we are, and we sell out our birthright for a pot of stew. God's not pleased with that. Esau didn't discern who he was. He didn't know what family he came from. This was a physical family, but the physical family had a spiritual line to it. Do you know who you are? You're a son and daughter of the highest. Can you not discern that? Why do you continually diminish yourself into the identity your family gave you when God's called you to a higher one? 
Why do you diminish yourself into what other people think of you when God's called you to do a different one? He's given you an entirely different identity. Why do you choose to be identified with a culture when you have the opportunity to be identified with a kingdom? Why do you choose that? Why, Esau? Why? You need to ask yourself that question. Why do I choose morsels of lentils and meat over provision of power and truth in the spirit? Why do I choose that? It's the consistent pattern of your life. Why am I consistently going there? Most of the time, it's ignorance. In Jacob's case, it wasn't ignorance, it was arrogance. Jacob thought he could do it all. Jacob thought, I can do this. Jacob was very competent. It showed out throughout his life. He did things very competently. He did a lot of things with his own strength. So he was given a birthright. He didn't like it. Your birthright's in crisis. Know who we are. Know what we've been given. Know what we're supposed to do and not neglect it. Not despise it or trade it for carnal things. So Jacob is getting older. He's got, his eyes are dimming. And he wants to give out the blessings to his sons. And so mom takes matters into her own hands. She says, oh, Isaac's about to bless the children. I need to make sure that Jacob gets the blessing because that's what God said was supposed to happen. How many knows if God says something, he's, he's perfectly capable of fulfilling it, right? He doesn't need your help. He needs your partnership, right? So in other words, her thing was, okay, Lord, you said that Jacob was going to get the blessing. How's that going to work? What she needed to work with the Lord in partnership. Not, that, that, this is how the dynamic works. God doesn't need you to do anything for him. He needs you to do it with him. It's together. He's not going to do it without you. Okay? And you can't do it without him. So everything's always a partnership. That, if you can get one thing, you need to get that. Because that's how it works. And that's always the dividing line. The church is in this corner. God, if God wants to do it, he's going to do it. No, he's not. No, he's not. Not in an area where he's delegated his sovereignty. And he's delegated his sovereignty unto us. Not in every area, but in certain areas. Sorry. So if there's an area where he's delegated authority, he's delegated sovereignty, he'll partner with that. But he's not gonna, he will not override the authority that he's been given. You've been given authority. You're given authority over your future. You're given authority over your destiny. You have spiritual authority. If God wanted the devil out of my life, he'd get the devil out of my life. No, he won't. No, he won't. Do you know why? He's already given it to you. He's given you a badge. He's given you an anointing. He's given you the blood of Jesus. And he expects you to take your rightful place and exercise the authority that you've been given. And we have all, oh, well, God's using this circumstance against me. No, that's not what's going on here either. Our mindset's wrong. Our thinking's wrong. Our understanding's wrong. This is why Christianity kind of wobbles at the wheel because we're missing fundamental thinking. We're missing fundamental mindsets. If God said this is the way it is and it's not functioning as God said, we need to go to the Lord and say, why is this not happening? And his problem, I'm going to tell you this, say this with me. The problem, the problem is, never is never on God's side. On God's side. The, problem the problem is always on our side. On our side. It's the way we think. It's the way we choose, right? It's the way we go about certain things. I mean, we can hit this on any level. People go, well, if God wanted me blessed, I'd be blessed. No, God's given you opportunity to be blessed. He's given you opportunity for you to increase knowledge. You despise that. He's given you opportunity for you to take a better promotion. You've despised that. He's given you multiple opportunities, and you sit on your couch eating Doritos, saying, if God wanted me blessed, he'd bless me. Wrong answer. First thing you got to figure out is what you want, what God has called you to and what you want. And those two worlds have to meet. And then once those two worlds meet, then there needs to be a map going forward. How do we get there? How do we 
get there. And he's going to start with you. I can tell you that. What do you want? What does he want? What do you want? Those worlds meet, and then you move forward from there. That's, that's the problem. It comes to like supernatural things. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. That's just the truth. And we have to learn how to do certain things. So Rebecca deceives Jacob. She, she, dresses, she dresses Jacob up like his brother Esau. She puts fur on him and makes him smell like, the, puts buck lure on him, makes him smell like the great outdoors, you know. And then she makes, comes in with a pot of meat, and Jacob pretends to be his brother. And, J, and Isaac is deceived, and he puts a blessing on Jacob that was supposed to be on Esau. Next slide. And you say, why did he do this? Well, there's two types of blessings in play. This is what you really got to understand here. There's the blessing of men, and there's the blessing of God. There's the word of men over your life, and there's the word of God over your life. The question is, is which one is more valuable to you? Rebecca didn't understand that it didn't matter what Jacob said, to, to what, what Isaac said to Jacob. It didn't matter. Jacob could have said, you're going to be blown by the breeze of the wind and, you know, gold dust is going to follow you everywhere you go. It didn't matter what, Jake, what Isaac, what his father said. What really mattered is what the Lord put over his life. The legality of men's decrees means nothing without heaven's decrees. Amen. Nothing. You want to look at the 12 sons? God, did, God according to the, to the law, according to the way that it was, Jacob has 12 sons. One was going to be the line of the kings. Do we know that? Anybody ever heard that story, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. which one was? Did anybody know? Uh, the line of the... No, close. We were close. It was one of the twelve. You're close. Yeah. Judah, thank you. <laughs> the scepter will not depart from Judah. Judah was disqualified. Reuben was, disqual Reuben was the firstborn. He was disqualified. Okay? Reuben slept with his mom's maids. Not a good idea. Okay? And Reuben never repented. Reuben's like, yeah, I did it. You know, he was very bold about it. Simeon and Levi made a covenant with a bunch of guys, betrayed the covenant, and shed innocent blood. So those are the next two in line. They were disqualified. Judah slept with prostitutes. <gasps> and you thought your family was screwed up. You thought you came from a dysfunctional family. That's the first four sons, right? All of them disqualified. Then you have Issachar and, uh, Issachar and Zebulun. It doesn't even tell us, but there was an issue of disobedience that the Bible doesn't talk about. They were disqualified. The next person in line, legal line to the throne, was Joseph. So why, according to man's law, the legal decree, why was Joseph in line to be, to be the line of the kings? But God chose Judah. Well, number one, Judah repented. Okay, So Judah was, you know, slept with Tamar who pretended to be a prostitute. You all know the story, right? He actually repented. He owned it. He said, I'm wrong. I'm not righteous. You're right. I sinned. Da, da, da. He owned it. So that's his first thing. Then the second thing is when Benjamin, uh, the whole thing with, this, with Joseph, I'm breaking up the story, but what, jo what Judah demonstrated on two occasions was a willingness to give his life for his brother. Twice, Judah said, I'll give my life in his place. And you know what heaven's eyes did? Whoop, right over that. Wow. What did Jesus do for us? His Laid his life down. You don't think God wanted that value in his bloodline? You don't think God, when he, was, when he was forming the line of Judah, or he was forming the line of Jesus, he looked at the one who was willing to give his life. He said, this one, out of all of them, two times he said, I'll give my life for Benjamin. I will die, I'll take me, not him, twice. So it didn't matter what the legal, the legal authority said Joseph should be king. 
God's like, you think God's bound by that? He's not bound by that. He's bound by what he desires in the spirit. He looks at the heart. Men look at the outward. God looks at the heart. It didn't matter what, Joseph, what, what Isaac said over Jacob. What mattered was what heaven said over him. So his father puts, he deceives his dad, right? This isn't going to, you can, you can, we can all tell this isn't going to end well. <laughs> Your big brother looks like the rock, okay? Hairy guy, used to weapons and used to killing things. You're going to take his blessing. Right. Right. Okay, so he takes, he takes his brother's blessing. She deceives her husband. He's blessed. Esau comes home, doesn't go well. Esau conspires to kill Jacob. Who knew? Who knew that was coming, right? Jacob, Esau's not happy about this. He wants to kill his brother. Rebecca influences her husband. What Rebecca did is that she deceived her husband when she should have influenced him. So ladies, here's a word to you. Say this. I want all the women to say this. I have, I have the power of influence. Giant. Christian faith. Men are the head of the home. I'm like, yeah, good luck with that, guys. Good luck. <laughs> Salute. How's that working out for you? What it means is you're the directional leader. You lead by direction. You don't lead by command. You don't lead by decree. Ladies have been given a power of influence. Anybody ever see the movie Shrek? I know I'm dating myself here totally. You see the movie Shrek, right? One of the movies, I can't remember which one. When he's at the beginning of the movie, he's like, we're not going. We're not going. So if I'm the man, this is my final word. We're not going. The next scene, he's sitting in the car waiting for his wife to visit him. <laughs> When a woman sets her mind to it, it's going to happen. She has a way of influencing her husband in a way. Women have a power of influence. You don't need, you don't, you don't, that if you, uh, there was a long time ago, there was a counselor who said, he said, if women really understood the power of influence they'd have, they'd, they'd use it more wisely. If they truly understood the influence that they have, they would use it more wisely. So true. So you know, ladies, just going to bless you this morning. You're going to like this one. You're going to not like the second thing I say, but you're going to like the first thing I say. <laughs> In the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman. Yeah. Gotcha. Ready? Hold the chair. In the book of Proverbs, foolishness is also personified as a woman. And you know what do you, what do you think that means? It means the choice is yours, ladies. Are you going to be wise or are you going to be a fool? So the personification of what wisdom looks like in the, in, in the scripture is wisdom. Wisdom can be, ins women can be insanely wise. I cannot tell you how many times I put the word idiot on my forehead because I didn't listen to the words of my wife. Okay? Sherry's going to, yeah, I, 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 just, I just hit a three from the corner. Just, you say that again. That was a Steph Curry shot right there. That was like a... I've had to wear the word idiot many times because I've not listened to the voice of my, life, my wife. Not in decree, but in communion. We've discussed things, and she's had a very wise perspective, and I decided to go against it, and I've been stupid. I've been foolish. Then there's other times when women, you can influence your husband very foolishly, or you can influence your husband very wisely. You can make very wise choices. Women have an insane power of discernment. Like, yes. I'm serious, off the chart. Off the chart. Women's discernment. Men think we know? Nah, we don't know. Her discernment is almost always right. I pick it up kind of on the back when mine's always a little fuzzy. Sometimes I get it real clear, but she gets it way clearer than I do. So ladies, you can be wise or you can be a fool. That's your inheritance in Christ. Which one are you going to choose? 
You can choose foolishness. There's lots of foolish women in the Bible. There's incredibly wise women in the Bible. Virtue's personified by a woman, too. Can we talk about Proverbs 31? So you carry tremendous weight, tremendous creative weight. Jacob gives him Abraham's blessing. Rebecca decides to deceive him. She decides to be foolish and not be wise. Jacob was blind in his eyes, so he couldn't see. So that's how Jacob was, Isaac was blind in his eyes. He was, probably had cataracts or something. His eyes were dimming. And so that's how Jacob was able to deceive him. You know, is this really my son Esau? But what Isaac was truly blind to was he was blind to his son Esau's behavior. So if Jacob didn't buy into the whole faith thing, Esau really wasn't buying into the whole faith thing. Right? Raised in a household of faith. The one son's kind of like, eh, a little bit indifferent to it. He kind of nods at it. The other son, Esau, he was wild. La vida loca. Okay? He married godless women against his father's wishes. That's what he did. He didn't care. And he had no, he, he was supposed to be the responsible one in the family, supposed to be the spiritual heir and all these things, and he just didn't care. Didn't care. Off he went. He never came around. Esau never came around, ever. Jacob does, but Esau never came around. He was, so his dad was blind, not just to physically blind, but he was morally blind to what his son was doing. He never, he never corrected him because his son was varsity athlete. His son was huntsman. His son could do no wrong in his life. That's a big error in the, in the scripture when, when fathers don't correct their children when they go astray. We get, David did it. Samuel did it. Uh, Eli did it. They all do it. Look past the errors of their children. They, they do. Fathers are not, you know, it's like, look, I want my son to be my friend. But at the end of the day, I'm your mentor before I'm your friend. Right? It's hard. Love you, Moise. Love it. Love right there. We have, to, we have to develop our kids and we can't look past their shortcomings. We have to be willing to say, that's wrong. You're not doing that. You have to be willing to take a stand. W women shouldn't be the only one, especially in a marriage or in a family, they shouldn't be the only one putting up at some kind of barrier. The dads need to lead out on that. And you need to find out how to do it and how to do it right and not tolerate poor behavior. Jake, Isaac tolerated Esau's poor behavior. Rebecca tells him, listen, that after G she, hear she learns that Esau wants to kill him, she's like, send him away. And so Jacob goes away to his relative named Laban. Now watch this. When, when Jacob goes to his father the first time, give me your blessing, Jacob gives him his blessing. When Jacob is about to leave home and go on a journey, Isaac gives him Abraham's blessing. The blessing that God promised Jacob was never his father's blessing. The blessing God promised Jacob was his blessing which is the one that he got. The Abrahamic blessing was the one that God was intended on giving him the entire time. He never intended on giving him his father's blessing. A lot of you, you grew up without a home, you grew up without a dad, and there's a big void missing in your life. I get it. I get it. I understand that. I don't know what the statistic is, but it's pretty high. I would say probably say 60% of homes, uh, uh, kids grow up without, without a father in the home. It's true. I grew up without a dad in a home. My dad didn't do anything wrong. He just left. My dad didn't have the tools to deal with life and a family. He didn't have the tools. This was way too complicated for him at that stage of his life, and so he bailed. Didn't see him. He was never cruel to me. He was never mean to me. You know, he came back in my life later, later, in later years, but there was always a void. And when I became a believer, it was a little bit of a struggle to trust God as Father. 
right? It was a little bit of a struggle, but I learned, and I began to determine to myself that I'm going to seek the blessing of God and not the blessing of men. One of the things that a father's supposed to do, we're talking about families here a lot. Wow, it's crazy. So one of the things a father's supposed to do, moms are nurturers, but fathers are validators. They validate the children. Son, you're a man. Your son never looks to the mom and go, Mom, do you think I'm a man? But they do look to the father to say that. The, mom, the daughter never looks to the mom and says, Mom, do you think I'm pretty? But they do look to the father. Daddy, am I pretty? That's yeah, true. And so without that validation, the father looked over Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. There's the validation. It's one of the things you'll get when you come to Firestarters, when you get the, the Lord will start speaking over you. And one of the first things he does is he validates you. People freak out. Because the first words out of his mouth is daughter. First words out of his mouth, beautiful. First words out of his mouth to you is mine. He validates because he's your father. And so when you're looking for the validation of men, you're always going to fall short. But if you look for the validation of God, it's one of the failures of the church. When we, when we know the prophetic voice of God, we lack the validation that comes only from heaven. And we have orphaned Christians all over the planet because the families are broken. God's a restorer of the family, and he will provide what men have lacked. He provided for me what men have lacked. I looked at him. I still look at him to this day. You're my father. I look to no one else. I don't look to validation. I don't, look, I, don't, I, I don't expect things laterally, but I do expect them vertically. I have a lot of expectation this way, but I don't expect a lot this way. I know what people are. I don't expect people to do much for me. I really don't. But I expect heaven to do a lot for me because I'm a son, and I'm a son of the highest. My father's wealthy. My father's generous. My father's kind. My father's loving. My father's willing. My father validates me. He'll validate you. He validates you. He'll always tell you, will always validate you. Always. And so the blessing that God promised Jacob was never, or Jacob was never his father's blessing. It was his. It's crazy. Why do we seek the blessings of men? Some of you in this room, you've been seeking for approval of men. You've been seeking the permission of men your whole life. If somebody would just approve me, if somebody would just give you permission, well, I'm going to give it to you right now. Permission granted. Permission granted. You need spiritual authority to give you permission to follow the Lord. Permission granted. I'm giving it out right now. You need permission from heaven. If, it, if that matters to you, then here it is. So you have it. You need permission from heaven. The Holy Spirit will give it to you immediately. He'll give you permission. It's because you don't have the validation of men. does not mean you don't have the approval of your father. People will disapprove of you all day long. Can I get a witness? <laughs> you can never spin enough plates. You can never massage them the right way. You can never do enough. And you always fall short. There's always something more. But your, your father loves you. Your heavenly father loves you on your worst day. His expectations are nothing but to let him love you and let him turn you into who he made you to be. On his way to, on his way to, to go his, uh, to Laban, Jace, Jacob has a prophetic dream. Say this. Spiritual encounters are necessary for transformation and development. Jacob dreams a dream. He sees a ladder. There's a, the the old heavens are open over him, and he sees angels moving up and down. And what Jacob perceives this to be is this is the place of God. This is his thinking. God's in a place. God's like, dude, I'm not in a place. That, this is what you'll see when he rustles the angel. God's trying to tell him, I'm not in a place. I'm in a person, dude. And so Jacob's like, oh, this must be the place of God. And so he sees an open heaven, and, he's, and the Lord is decreeing over him, saying, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to provide for you. So God's decreeing over Jacob's life, and Jacob vows a tenth. Right? 
And so Jacob, Jacob uh, has an encounter with God, but his perception of God is still warped. Some people think God's in a church. I've got to go to church and find God. Who told you that? He's not in a place. He's not in a building made with hands. He's in a person named Jesus. Yes, the family's important. Yes, church is important. Yes, the, the unity of believers is important. But the relationship with Christ is paramount. And so God promises to bless him. And, Jesus, and Jacob says, I'm going to give you 10% of everything you give me. People go, tithing is of the Old Testament. Tithing is of the Mosaic law, Kevin. You have to understand when Moses codified the law, he mandated that the people give, and we no longer are under the law, therefore we no longer have to tithe. I'm going to give you a real clear question. Tithing predates the law, and tithing postdates the law. So tithing is all through the scripture. So if you don't think that tithing matters to God, you are woefully mistaken. Abraham tithed, and here you see Jacob tithing. Nobody made Jacob tithe. Nobody put a law on him. Nobody put a mandate on him. He knew the principle of honor. He knew it. Tithing is not mandated, it's, but it's, in, the, in, the, in the Mosaic Covenant, when Moses gave the law, he mandated that they come to church. Why? Because he, didn't, he knew that if these people were not forced to do it, they would neglect it, and the purposes of God would be thwarted. And so the law was given only to train them. So now we're under grace, right? So coming to church is not mandated as it was under the Mosaic law, right? But it's, can anybody here, anybody here want to tell me that's not expected? God says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, which is the manner of some. It's expected. Gather on the first day of the week, the Bible tells us. Not under law, but it's expected. Just like giving, Christian, is expected. You can choose not to do it, but I'm telling you, you will not walk in the fullness of discipleship, and you will not walk in the fullness of what God has for you until you come in agreement with this stuff. It, it predates the law. <laughs> it's before the law. It's not, you know, this is the thing. When people, people come to me and they want to tell me, Pat, it's only under the, we're not under the law, and it was only under the mosaic. I'm like, you did that research where? Where, where did you do that research? I'm sorry, where? Next slide. I had to throw that in there because tithing is honor. That's what really tithing is, is honor. Is honor. So this, honor. He didn't need your money, but he needs your honor. He wants your honor because honor creates access. When you honor, you have access. When you don't honor, you don't have access. Honor people and watch how much you have access to them. Just want to honor you today, Moise. You're a faithful man of God. And Moise is sitting there thinking, I love you, pastor. You're awesome. And I'm not trying to get him to like me, but honor creates access to people. That's what it does. Honor, honor, the principle of honor is the gateway into access. And God, when we honor the Lord, we access him. Esau lamented at the loss of his father's blessing, but he never sought heaven's blessing. Big mistake. He goes to the house of Laban. i got to move real fast. We're doing a flyby of the like of Jacob here, it seems. Jacob falls in love. This is really good, right? So Jacob goes to his, his uh, relative's house, and he sees a woman, and he falls in love with her. And he's like, he wants to be with her. But Jacob was flat broke. And in the Old Testament, you had to pay a bride's price. So you had to come to the old man, and you had to go, hey, I want to marry your daughter. And the old man would go, well, what are you offering? What do you got here? You got any means? Hmm? Gonna, you know, let's do a deal here. You had to pay a bride's price. You had to give money to the father to show that you had the ability to support that woman. And so Jacob had no money. He's broke. He's like, I'll work for you. And so Laban goes, how long are you going to work for me? And he's looking, at, he's looking at Rachel, and he's just like, man, I'll work for you. Seven years, and I'm sure he wanted to reel that back in once it came out of his mouth. So 
He worked for Laban for seven years. Part of the reason he did this is he didn't have anywhere to go, right? He had to leave his mom and dad. His brother wants to kill him. Where's he going to go? Nowhere. So I'll stay here. And so he works for Laban for seven years, and Laban deceives him. And so on the wedding night, he gets Jacob nice and drunk, and he gives him uh, the other daughter named Leah. <laughs> and so Jacob wakes up in the morning, and he's, it's not Rachel that's laying there with him. It's Leah. And the Bible says she had weak eyes, and some people think she was cross-eyed. You know, which that's not necessarily doesn't necessarily have to be true. So she could have been cross-eyed, but it means that uh, in the Old Testament that if you had in that economy, if you had brown eyes, all you brown-eyed girls out there, you were considered to have mental strength. And all of us light-eyed people, yes, yes, they were supposed to be mentally strong. And all the light-eyed women were considered to be weak. And so when they look, they still do this to this day. When they look at the eyes. And you can read it in the Song of Solomon. Your eyes are dark and comely, you know? It's like, so they thought maybe she had light eyes. Other people say she's cross-eyed. We don't know. But it doesn't necessarily say she was ugly. It just means Jacob didn't like something about her. He liked Rachel more. Nonetheless, he marries Jacob. He marries Leah. He works another seven, year, works another seven years and gets two wives. Listen, you don't ever, people go, why can't we have two wives? I always tell people I have enough problems with one. Why would I want two? <laughs> you got to put two women in a household? Are you kidding me? All the dads try to bring your wife around your mom? Good luck with that. Mom's moving in. Not good. Not good. Her mom with her and you all living in a house? Not good. Not good. Women are, women are the gravity field of the home, man. They are, they are the orbit of the home. My son's like, you're the father, dad. Tell mom what time it is. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to do that, bro. Yeah. I said, your mom runs the house, man. That's all I got to say. Anything that goes on around here, her word, her answer, that's it. <laughs> Jacob leaves. He leaves Laban. He's with Laban. He works for two years, ends up with two wives. Won't get into that. But as he's leaving, he's leaving Laban, and he's going home back to his land. He's built up a, a big wealth now. He's got wives. He's got cattle. He's got kids. He's got all kinds of stuff. And he's going back home to where his father's land is. And he learns that his brother Esau is coming out to meet him. Oh, happy day. Esau, the guy you betrayed, the guy you stole from, hey, he's getting ready to meet you. So the servant runs up to him and goes, Jacob, good news, man. Your brother's on the way to meet you. And he's like, really? And he goes, but there's some bad news with that too. And he's like, what's that? And he goes, he's coming with 400 men. <laughs> so Esau's not coming as a friendly greeting. It appears Esau's coming with an army. Jacob freaks out, right? He panics. He divides his camp into two. And he says, okay, so if Esau attacks them, then I'm going to run away, you know? If Esau attacks me, well, then I'm going to run away. Jacob's whole plan was I'm going to run. That was his whole plan. And so all night long, he can't sleep. He's freaking out. And the Bible says an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And he wrestles with the angel. And the Bible calls him the son of man. Anybody know who the son of man is? Jesus. That's right. Yes, that's very good. Anybody know the, the angel of the Lord with a capital A? Anytime angel of the Lord appears in the Bible with a capital A, it's a reference to Christ as well. So an angel of the Lord, Jesus, it's called a theophany, a divine appearing. So Jesus divinely appears to Jacob, wrestles with him. They have a wrestling match, and Jesus is going to leave him. What were they wrestling over? They were wrestling over God's plan and Jacob's will. 
this is what I want from you, Jacob. And Jacob's like, I'm not doing it. And the Lord's like, this is what I want from you, Jacob. And he's like, I'm not doing it. And so the Lord leaves and he touches Jacob's hip. Jacob can no longer run, can he? He's got a hip problem, right? And so as the Lord is leaving him, this is what you do not want. You do not want the Lord to leave you the same. If there is one thing you do not want, you do not want Jesus to ever, 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 ever leave you the same. I want to be changed every day of my life. I want to be changed every week. You should come to church going, change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. Because everything he does in your life, he does it for your good. Everything. The worst thing in the world is to be left the same. When Jesus said of the Pharisees, leave them alone. That is the worst indictment you could ever have from the Lord. I'm not dealing with them anymore. My spirit will not always strive with man. He loves you. He totally loves you. But he's not going to contend with your will forever. He'll leave you as you, get, as you are. And guess what? There's casts of Christians all over America, all over the world, that have been left the same because they refuse to go any further than their will. They will not enter into what the purposes of God. Wow. And the Lord leaves them there. Leaves them there. They die in the promised land. All day long. Wow. All day long. Because that's what they want. And so God will leave them there. Stay behind in the asses. We go to the mountain to worship. That's what Abraham said. You don't want to go to the mountain? Stay in the valley with the, with the, with the, with the jackasses. Because we're going to the mountain. God will leave you where you are. I don't believe Jesus would ever do that. Read the stories, Christian. He leaves you just as you are. If you will not go with him, he's not going to, I mean, it's not like he doesn't do it once. He's, he's striving with Jacob all night long. So this is a long struggle. And he leaves and Jacob grabs him and says, I'm not going to let you go. And the Lord's like, why aren't you going to let me go? He's like, I will not let you go until you bless me. Anybody know what the blessing is Jesus gave him? Somebody goes, Jesus? Yep, that's the right answer. The blessing that Jesus gave Jacob is he changed his name. He clarified Jacob's identity. You are not heel catcher, Jacob. You are not born of the earth. You are Israel. It means prince of God. That's what he says to you. You want to know what God's first and foremost primary blessing in your life is? Your identity. Son of the highest. Daughter of the highest. That's your first and foremost. And when God, you say, God bless me, you say, son of the highest. Learn that. Learn that. Daughter of the highest. Learn that. Oh, we don't want to be egotistical and call ourselves son of the highest. I'm not egotistical. He calls me that. And, I start, and he, calls what you, he calls you what you are long before you get there. You don't look like a son of the highest, but you are. You don't look like a daughter of the highest, but you are. You don't know what I did last night. I don't care what you did last night, daughter of the highest. I don't care what you did last night, son of the highest. Your identity does not, you're not disqualified by your behavior. Sorry, your destiny can be disqualified by your behavior, but your identity is not. When you start to live as a son of the highest, you'll see destiny begin to come to you. You'll see the prophetic begin to line up over your life. Most of the problems are Christians do not live according to the identity. This is the problem with Jacob. God gave him Israel and he gave him Jacob. And we see all through the Old Testament, the northern tribes of Israel, which I'm not going to get into this, were called Israel and they were also called Jacob. Every time they did what was right, God said Israel. Every time they did what was wrong, God said Jacob. Anybody know the story of Peter? Yeah. What was his name before God named him Peter? Simon. Simon. Every time Simon was acting like his old self, Jesus called him Simon. Every time he was doing what was right, Jesus goes, Peter! <laughs> you get the scene? He tries to tell us, like, look, you're operating according to your old identity. Wow. Kevin, son of the highest. 
That was good, son of the highest. That was really bad, Kevin. I know. <laughs> he blesses him, and the number one blessing that he gives Jacob is his identity. Christian, you already have a blessing from the Lord, and you need to begin to manifest that blessing, what it means. What does it mean to be a son? What does it mean to be a daughter? Who am I? What am I? How am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to think? What does this mean? You are far more than a Christian. You are an heir of this world and the one to come. We're Christians. We're just supposed to be like Jesus. Yes, we're like Jesus. We're supposed to be expressly made into the image of the Son, who is the firstborn among many brethren and sisters. Many brothers and sisters. Jesus is the firstborn of all of those. What are they wrestling about? God blesses me. He shifts his identity and his perspective. Next slide. Jacob, what he, what, uh, Jacob had determination, but he lacked perspective. I'm going to skip some of this. Um, he gives Esau grain. He does restore. So after the encounter, watch this. After the encounter with the angel, Jacob not only run, does not run, but he restores the broken relationship with Esau. He gives cattle. He gives sheep. He gives grain. And he gives wine, which is exactly the blessing that he took. When, when Jacob pronounced the blessing over him, he said, The dew of heaven and the grain of the earth shall be yours. And he said, and your brothers will bow down to you. That's what he said to Jacob. But that blessing was actually Esau's. It wasn't heaven's blessing. You understand? Remember we're talking about? That was the blessing of the Father. That wasn't the blessing of heaven. Heaven's blessing was you're going to be a great nation and all nations will serve you. That was God's blessing. But the Father's blessing. And so then Jacob bows down seven times. He restores back to Jake Esau the blessing that he took. And from this point forward, when you look at Jacob's life, his faith is redeeming faith. He has an encounter with God. He begins to buy into the program where he's never bought into the program. Now he's buying in. And he said, I am, I am Israel. I am not common. I'm not average. I'm not anybody. I'm not a heel catcher. I'm not a usurper. I'm not a supplanter. I'm someone great. In God's eyes, and he begins to live according to that identity, and his whole life shifts. Everything begins to shift. It didn't mean everything went perfect, but stability came into his house, and stability came into his family. The keys to his redemption, he knew that he learned that God was not in a place, but in a person. He learned that heaven's blessings and heaven's promises are what are to be pursued. We're to pursue the blessings of heaven and the promises of God more than anything else. Seek first the what? And what is right to God in all things will be added to you. Where do we get our adding from? By seeking what is right to him. And seeking his kingdom, his blessing, his purposes, his promises. Identity and spiritual inheritance is everything. This is the other thing he learned. So Jacob learned three things. This is what shifted everything for him. He learned that God's not in a place. He's in a person. And that person wants to know him. He learned that heaven's blessing and promises are what he's supposed to chase with his life. He's not supposed to pursue anything other than that. Jacob spent his whole life, if you read the story, chasing his plan. He had a good idea. J Jacob had a good idea about everything. I have a theory and I have a statement. Say this with me. Jesus, Jesus. is the only good idea, only good idea. I have. <laughs> if you don't know that, you'll learn that. <laughs> Walk with him. He'll teach you. You have no good ideas, Kevin. You, I'm your good idea. And I'm like, you are the only good idea I have, Lord. So any idea I have, I hand it back to him. I say, is this a good idea to you? And he'll go, yeah, that looks pretty good. So that's kind of how it works. Christians has the blessing of heaven. Destiny is over your life. Do you believe this? Yes. It's over your life. Two of you believe it. One of you. I know Moise believes it. <laughs> Destiny is over your life. Over the believer's life. What you are called to do is to discover your destiny, discover your purpose, encounter, steward your destiny, and obey and pursue your destiny. That's how faith is redeeming. 
A lot of you, you've stumbled a lot during the way. You've struggled a lot in Christian faith. You've struggled a lot in life. And one of the reasons is, is you either don't know who you are, you've never encountered the person, or you've never encountered the promise, or you've never encountered the identity of actually who you are. You've been taught your whole life, sit in a chair. Who told you that? Nowhere in the Bible does it tell me, come before me and sit in a chair. We're an active membership and we're an active body. We're members of one another. God has called you into a purpose. He's called you into a destiny. He's called you into identity. Do you believe that? Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Let's pray. I want you to open up your hearts and say this. Father, open my eyes to who I really am. Holy Spirit, begin to affirm in me and develop in me that I am your son or I am your daughter. Prove this to me. As your word says, your spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. I give you permission, Lord, to change my perspective, to change my thinking, to change my attitude, and to change my heart, to open my eyes to, where I, to the things that I've been pursuing that are not of your way, and to open my eyes to pursue the things that are of your heart, even if I don't know what they are. I give you permission to begin to teach me and to begin to show me in Jesus' name. Let me bless you. I'm out of time. We'll have a prayer team available for you over there. This is going to be um, uh, somewhere. Over in this general, they're waving over there. So, so generally over there, there's going to be a prayer team. If you need prayer for anything, someone will pray for you. And then after the second service, we're going to have a reception. So we want you to come back for that. But let me bless you. May the Lord bless you. Just receive it. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. May he give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe that? Come on. God loves you. We love you. Have a wonderful week. Come on back for the party. Have a good time. Permission, say this with me. Permission. Permission. To have fun. That's right.